Welcome to Inspiring Futures. I'm your host, Ed Cotton. This is a podcast where we talk about the how, what, and why of the future. Welcome to the latest episode of Inspiring Futures. Um, my guest is Neil Williams uh, of the Martin Agency. Is your is your title um, group creative head or, or yeah, it's it? a group group creative director. Group creative director. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome. Thank you. It's uh, it's an honor to be on your on your podcast. I've I've listened to a few. Um, and you have a very illustrious list of, uh, of interviewees that I'm very proud to be at the bottom of. So, so thank you. It all, it all, it all ends up, uh, you know, it's all on the rankings, basically. We'll see, we'll see how, how well you do every time, but you know, yeah, if you, um, if you, if you, if you release a, I know I've seen a lot of best of, if you release a, 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 yeah, a, wor- day, a worst yeah. of, no, I don't think it'll be a worst. <laughs> um, so Neil, do you want to do you want to start off by by taking us through a little bit of, of your background? You can go back as far as you want, uh, as long as we can do this in a, in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. As in, some people do start at kindergarten when they had their first uh, inkling that they wanted to work in advertising. Okay. Well, I'll I'll back it up a step further. I was I was born on a cold March day. Uh, Venus was in retrograde. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I was raised. I was born and raised in Louisiana. Uh, mm-hmm. Northeast Louisiana, so a, a, a town called Monroe, um, and so that's where I spent pretty much all of my my childhood and formative years. Lived for a couple of years outside of, of Dallas, but but moved back to Monroe, um, which is probably not noteworthy to most people, um, aside from the fact that my my hometown area is where uh, Duck Dynasty happens, the uh, reality series. So, so that'll, that'll tell you a little bit about, um, where, where I got my start. Um, but yeah, from there, uh, I went to, to undergrad in, in the Northeast and got, uh, actually an art history, uh, undergraduate degree, uh, from Yale, um, which in a weird way, um, was probably about as good of a degree as you could get from a liberal arts college to prepare you for advertising. Cause you're just looking at stuff, making some shit up and then writing about it, <laughs> you know? Um, so that, that was a, a, a weird, a weird coincidence. Um, but, uh, yeah, nobody I knew really was going into advertising. That wasn't even like, even marketing wasn't really on the menu. Um, I remember I was looking at jobs and in finance and thinking about going to law school. Um, and those were, uh, thank, thankfully, I, I think my, my intuition was correct that that wasn't going to be uh, a good, a good fit for me long-term. So, um, I, I did, I had a, a friend who, uh, who had a friend who had done an internship, a summer internship at gray, I think. And, um, and so she, she had said, you know what, uh, something tells me you kind of remind me of this person. It, you, you're similar in a lot of ways. You might want to look at advertising. And I was like, whoa, what is advertising? Um, and, and so, you know, I read, uh, I read up a, a little bit. Um, I, I, the first book I ever read about advertising was, was truth lies in advertising the, the, the John Steele book. And, um, and so I was like, okay, this is cool. Maybe I want to be a planner. Um, and I remember going into the, uh, career services, um, at, uh, at Yale and saying, you know, what, what do you got? What do you got in marketing advertising? Just looked at me like I had three heads, uh, and, and they went in the back and came out with this like dusty tome of, you know, how to get a job in marketing. And it it was written in the seventies. Um, and, and that was about all I got. So, um, so from there, uh, I, I heard about the brand center, um, with, I don't know, it maybe was the ad center at that time. I was like, okay, I want to be a planner. Went there, talked to some people. They said, eh, we could, we could let you in, but, um, it seems like maybe you don't know what you want to do yet, which I will forever be grateful for. Cause I ended up just, uh, I went and got a, um, 
basically an, an unpaid uh, account services internship at a small agency in Atlanta. Um, and uh, just kind of learned the ropes there, looked around quickly, realized that, okay, I, I, I have a great affinity towards the, the, the creatives and, and the creative department. And that's, and that's what I want to do. Um, and that kind of put me on, on the path towards, towards being a creative. Um, and while I was, then they hired me as a junior copywriter um, w- without any book. Um, but I w- to be fair, I, w- I was writing brochures for a regional medical center about, you know, bariatric surgery, um, naming menu items at Atlanta Bread Company, which I was very proud to get four or five on the menu. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I took I took some one off classes at the Creative Circus just to see, OK, is this something I'm going to be into? Um, took some like essentially night classes. You could you could do it a la carte at that time um, and and really liked it. And then just sort of decided to, to make the jump um, and got to Creative Circus, went to uh, went to YNR in New York, um, Gary Goldsmith hired me and then he was in there for for about a year um and then uh there was little little leadership change tony granger came in um uh scott vetroni and reichenthal came in with a, with a good crew of people that was re- really nice to just kind of work elbow to elbow with um and then much earlier than i ever thought uh ended up at the at the martin agency i thought i was going to be in new york for for much longer, but things just kind of worked out. My wife's from Richmond, Virginia, which is where the Martin agency is. So I ended up at Martin and I've been there, um, been there a while now, like almost 14 years. And, uh, you know, started working at Walmart was the big account. When I got there, that's what they were hiring up for. Did a lot of work on, on Walmart. Um, you know, touched a lot of accounts there, but uh, probably about four years into my time at Martin, I got, I, I, um begged my way onto uh some geico radio and you know kind of found found my footing uh, the creative director uh threw me a bone it was like okay you're sort of funny and then started got a few broadcast briefs and and that really changed my um my trajectory i think and and, and my specialty to be honest in, in advertising and that's what led us to today <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Um, you know, it's it, it's kind of rare you 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 find. Uh, I mean, they do exist, but people who start out wanting to be planners and end up uh, creative. Yeah, yeah. Well, well. I mean, I I believe, and uh, I mean, I've heard it said a lot, but you know, the the best creatives are are good planners, and the best planners are good creatives. Some some iteration of that, but I th- I don't think you can. Um, you can make good work without some strategic inkling to it. Yeah, no, I, I, and I agree. I mean, I did this, um, the best thing I ever did actually is sort of an education was, it's called, it was called a creative role reversal course. Mm, mm-hmm. So you had creatives playing planners and planners playing creatives. And you just had like a marker pan and a blank sheet of paper, and you were given briefs, brief off the brief, and the briefs varied in quality. And it was just like, okay, I get right now. I'm on the other side of the fence. I kind of see what why this is important. Yeah, so yeah, that right. I'm well, and 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 through through that experience, do do you think that the takeaway was that it's not as easy as it looks, <laughs> or or that there's a natural you know affinity between the two disciplines, and it, it was actually pretty pretty seamless. Yeah, I, I mean, I always think there's, you know, it's just, um, it's a little bit, you know, it's sort of, you're trying to squeeze something in a, some space that doesn't sometimes kind of quite belong there, I always think. Mm-hmm. That, you know, there's, there's what you have to say on one side, and then there's kind of what you want to say on the other, right? And, 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 you just kind of got to make the two things coalesce because there's there's so much stuff that is just about talking at people, telling them a bunch of stuff that somebody felt is an important, like here are 10 things we need to say. We want to say right. 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then here is the crazy ass ad 
that is so damn creative that you have no idea what it's for and what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always to me like this, this beautiful work of balancing and trying to find the way where these two worlds kind of combine perfectly. Um, you know, and Geico is just such an interesting, you know, interesting brand in this, um, you know, sort of, I, I just felt the sort of reductiveness of like understanding we, we're in a, basically in a salience game. Mm -hmm. This this is about people recognizing when they need. We don't. We know that people don't love this category. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, I just think the ability to entertain and find constantly find new ways to entertain um, uh, is just it's just such a wonderful part of that of that piece of business. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely it's it's changed the the way. I think about advertising to, to, to be honest. And, and also, I mean, many brands just can't operate uh, by that, by the same sure. playbook because it's, it's built on a lot of, you know, sheer tonnage. Um, and, and, but the, the path to fame, which is what, you know, most brands goals should be big brands, at least is, is a little bit different. Um, when, when you've got that, that tonnage to work with, but I think it, it is also, there's a lot of pressure because when, when a lot of people are going to see your work, you should make it really good and memorable <laughs> and not everybody it's strange. It seems pretty intuitive, but not everybody takes that approach. Um, but I think just to your, what, to your what specific, what specific campaigns have you worked on, on the, on the Geico business? Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> a lot. How many? <laughs> too too many to get into, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I was a, a writer um, on the account for probably like my first seven years or so. Um, so yeah, I mean, there the uh, there was an Icky Woods cold cuts ad that just got brought back. That was one of that was one of the early ones um, that that I wrote. Uh, the the Pinocchio is a motivational speaker. Oh yeah. Um was one I did. There was a sloth playing Pictionary. Um yeah. kind of the the ad famous work that um I, I wrote on uh with with my partner uh Mauricio was um unskippable, the the online video. Yeah, no, that was such a that was such a wonderful example of like uh, I remember I, I, it seems what was that three it's probably probably longer than four years ago, but maybe it isn't. Yeah, it's about it's about six or seven now. Six or seven now, yeah. But it was just that, just the brilliance of that is observing something that everyone feels, but has ne no one has ever said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and 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 being there, grabbing that. Yeah, first. yeah. It, it it was. I mean, that one specifically was uh, was an interesting one because it was it was really low hanging fruit. It was just lying there. It's not like pre roll was new in twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no one, had, no one pointed at it. No one. Now, it, everybody's strategy at that point was like, let's just throw our broadcast there, and people are forced to watch it. So who cares? Um, and um, and so I, I I think again, that's where Geico's. Um, you know, media tonnage gave us a little bit, uh, a little bit more wiggle room or a little bit of a playground because at that point, um, you know, they they were making a serious enough investment on uh, in YouTube to in, in pre roll to say, you know, I think we could we could consider making some bespoke creative for that, um, which, which again, not a lot of brands are going to be in that in that position. To where you know, like the 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 ratio works out from you know production production budget to media spend, um, and and we did not have much money re relative you know to a typical Geico production at all, um, but it was a really cool brief and and again the insight was kind of just um, laying there but um, or lying there I get them confused, but the um, but yeah I mean the 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 client and then our, our strategist you know obviously pointed we're, we're we're pointing us there um you know with the 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 five seconds and we just leaned into it and got something that seemed to work 
Yeah, it's interesting, like the, what the role of strategy can be on a piece of business where the kind of it it, it, it has such a it has such a history, and you, it's clear what the messages are, right? You're not kind of this, there's some fundamental block and tackle stuff that's not getting reinvented, but you're always looking to the zeitgeist, right? To find you know, it seems to me that you need people to help you find you know find stuff. Um, I remember um, the dilly dilly, the widen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and listening to, you know, some of the creeps talk about, well, we were interested what, in what was going on in culture and what people were watching, you know, and when you added Game of Thrones and a few other bits and pieces together, you sort of ended up with this world and, th and then they had explored various other spaces where the brand could live and they ended up in this, in this sort of medieval world um, because it sort of was a reflection back on what people were interested in culture. And uh, so I, I thought that, think that culture watching piece is always a really intriguing part. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I mean, and we, obviously we, we dip into nostalgia a lot. Um, and, and I don't know if that was, it just kind of happened at one point along the, the, the brand entertainment trajectory and, and the people liked it. And so we, we kept doing it. Um, and you know, certain years we have, we dip a little bit more, uh, into that well than, than others. But I mean, I think the recent, um, you know, uh, tag team scoop, there it is spot was a good example. Awesome, yeah. uh, um, so, but it, but it's interesting when that, uh, when you kind of get the, the peaks or the wavelengths align where it is nostalgia, but that time that time and culture is also making a little bit of a comeback or there's more interest in it like you're seeing things on tiktok that you know or or in streaming you know like with the kate bush song on, on Stranger yeah, yeah, Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like when you can kind of hit that just right it's, it's this old thing that everybody older than blank will love but it's this new thing that uh people are discovering and so everybody can like it for maybe slightly different reasons that's it's tough to do, but um, but yeah, it's definitely kind of a lightning, lightning in a bottle at times. I mean, the other thing you were saying about the um, about you got to it's not easy because you got to you got to back uh, you know a whole load of work that has such high bar. Mm -hmm. So, so you, you, you can't. It's got to be. It's got to be great to get to be a Geico ad. But also, I think the other thing is the category has uh, has upped its game as well. You know, yeah, yeah. Back, back in the day, you were the only guys guys in town, and and now there's the um, um, is it the, <laughs> again? Or is it great? But it's certainly comedy of the turning into your parents. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, really well written. Uh, yes, really yeah. Great. The 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 insights there hit so close to home, and 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 I mean, I don't, I don't know if um, I'm allowed to say it, but I do I do really like that work. Doctor the Doctor Rick stuff, parental yeah. It's yeah. nice. And, and I mean, it's, it's funny and well done. And anybody with a parent, uh, I think can, can relate to, to a lot of that, but yeah, I mean, the, the, um, the industry as a whole has certainly raised their game a lot, you know, especially I'd say in the, in the last 10 years. Um, and so, so the bar is higher and I mean, we, we joke about it on Geico, but I mean, one of the, um, you just as a creative director, you know, one, one of the standard pieces of feedback that, uh, that I have to give is like, yeah, I'm, this is really funny. I'm, I like it a lot, but I'm, I'm really sorry. We, we did that in, in 2003 and in 2008. And, and people are like, where, like, how do you, where do these ads come from? I, I, uh, so you just get, you get, um, this sort of encyclopedic knowledge of old Geico ads uh, that unfortunately end up crushing a lot of dreams. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But occasionally we're able to iterate on past. It's, there's a little bit of wiggle room, but, but yeah, we, we try, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to try to plow new ground as often as we can, which is, which can be really hard. <laughs> um. Back a while ago, I did a I did an interview with uh, with Kirsten and, and mm -hmm. yeah yeah and, I heard that and um, 
I thought one of the really interesting things she talked about was this idea of it's not about um, the client name, as in as in the brand. It's about the sensibility of that client, almost like um, you know, is this do we do we believe this client has a track record of buying good work, and therefore yeah. we'd want to work with them. Right, like the like the individual, almost like a psychographic of a client versus saying we need Harley Davidson and we want this and we want why, yeah. Uh, versus going after marketers who are provocative, want to change, understand the power of advertising. Yeah, that seems to you know yeah be smart if you're if you're if you're in the business of uh, of believing that creativity is a you know, is a powerful force for, for, for moving business. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I think that's a very uh, smart approach, especially for, for new business, because, you know, having worked on a, a fair amount of new business over the years, um, worked on some big, you know, like blue chip names who have very little appetite for doing the kind of work that you want to do for them or that they were perhaps historically known for. Um, but then, you know, similarly, you get a lot of uh, brands coming out of nowhere, um, just with with the right with the right mojo and, and the right kind of visionary leading them forward, and and that's that's where the interesting stuff happens. You know, I think it, the fun, just bringing it back to Geico. Um, you know, I think when when Geico first entered uh, the agency's roster, um, you know, in 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 the nineties, people people weren't climbing over themselves to work on it. It was, there were some pretty hard work and, you know, they did a lot of back-to-back 15s, 800 numbers on the end, strong calls to action. The comedy was maybe like a little bit of a wink, you know, um, but it, it wasn't the thing everybody was, uh, was jumping on, but clearly the potential was there. Um, you just had to have the, the right person and the right sensibilities, like you were saying, aligned behind that creative. So it, it's more about, and again, it, it seems very intuitive, but you should look at the potential for the brand, not where, not where they've been. Um, because hopefully a brand is coming to you to take them to new places and do exciting things. So yeah, I think following, uh, people, uh, individuals, whether it's CMOs or CEOs instead of, um, the brands themselves makes a lot of sense. Mm. Do, Do you, do you take, do you agree with the consensus that it's getting harder to sell and produce good work well well yeah yes from from what from what i've seen around the industry yes i we're we're very fortunate to have a a long trusting um what i think is is a healthy and also challenging relationship with with geico where um we've been together for so long and 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 our our success is, is so tied that there's there's not a lot of doubt about what each of us is bringing to the table, what we need out of each other. Um, so I'm in a very, uh, and everybody on Geico is in a very, um, you, you know, we're in a good spot <laughs> that is maybe not reflective of advertising as a whole. I think, you know, thing, things get challenging for, for other reasons, but, but yeah, I mean, from what I've seen around and, and heard from, from my friends in the industry, um, it, it is getting harder. If, and I think there, there, there are a lot of forces at work. Um, you know, I think, uh, efficiency is, is, is one of them that, that, that I've seen, you know, I think efficiency taken too far can really, uh, cut the legs. When you say, when you say efficiency, what, what, mm-hmm. what are you defining it as a, a sort of budget production constraint time? I, I mean, I, in my mind, it's more, it's more about time. Um, I mean, money, money helps, but I think time in a lot of ways is, is more important because you can do really good work, uh, you know, with a lot of different constraints, budget being one of them. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think time and just general, just th- that pressure, uh, it, it's, it's just really, it's tough when you've got, you know, a day to write a brief and two days to work on it. <laughs> Um, and I, I think we're all, uh, we, we maybe give ourselves a little bit too much credit because yeah, you can, you can put together a big fat presentation of work. You can throw your entire department at something for a day 
and get a lot of work to show at a meeting and and the client might feel satisfied with with that but the the quality the the depth um of the the platforms that that you're you're creating i think that's that's what i call into question and i think that's where you're more likely to see memorable brand building work in from the 70s and 80s than you are today is kind of my my take on it like that was more of the default mode and in in how brands and and agencies were operating and working together you know 30 40 years ago versus today where it's a lot of really short short bursts um and and then on to the next thing yeah it's it's that whole question the long and short of it can you really build a brand you know with uh just short-term tactics and when you've got a lot of marketers who are going around and doing things like we want to test tv mm -hmm. you know um it is it is it is it is definitely challenging um but maybe maybe the tide is turning maybe uh we're you know we're starting to, there may be some shoots of positivity i i feel like people you start to feel that um and it's a, it's a, it's a i always think digital is fascinating because it's such a it's such a big term for a big world but it tends to be sort of seen as um you know the domain of lower funnel mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Stuff, right and I, and i think people run out of runway there you know they kind of they kind of feel like yeah it's taken us so far it's do why you all see, see all these uh, DTC brands going onto television. You know, there's something, there's something in in television advertising that you can't replicate and you can't find in other stuff. And and you know, cost. You know, it, back in the day, I think I'm sure you remember when when it was the world of viral video and it was clients clients saw this sort of really cheap way of like suddenly we can hack this system to get we don't need to buy awareness we can get it for free right yes and, and, and there was a whole like we went through two or three years of four years or something um i once sat on a plane with someone he said i said what do you do and he said um well i ensure that the what well we've been doing this for a few years and now i have 80 percent of super bowl advertisers are my clients so mm -hmm. what and um uh he said well we make sure that they have a viral base i.e they have an they we built help them build an audience to get the critical mass yeah yeah that's that's interesting i mean out there there you you dropped you dropped a lot there i think start starting with the first part about the the lower funnel like the the domain of of digital i think that is interesting because you get i i've i've seen the brands get built two ways like from the bottom up and sort of from the from the top down and and i think that at least from a from a tech standpoint seems to be the way things are going where you know you're you're so um you know you're 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 optimizing 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 your your targeting your messaging um, you know, just pulling every lever you can on right you know, the machine. It, yeah, on 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 the machine until yes, you 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 hit a wall, and then you're at a point where what well, what does your what does your brand mean? Like, how does it make people feel? Like, every, literally, you've everybody you can get through that um, through those tactics. You you've you've gotten them right, and so now you have to build a brand um and that's just it's a it's a weird that's a weird spot that i i guess is relatively new um you know within the last decade of extremely successful successful from a business standpoint brands that have to build a brand from scratch um you know i i don't know you could probably think of some better examples than i can um you know um 
maybe maybe some of the mattress you know like the the yeah, 107 mattress companies directly. yeah yeah just stuff like that where it's like oh god i get those ads all the time but i don't know what what they mean i guess one one's purple i think um but but yeah um so so that's that's really interesting um kind of like the reverse approach of of oh shit we're successful but now we have to build a brand um so anyway th that was one part that uh that you were getting into i don't know if you want to talk more about that or you want to jump to the second part yeah we'll, we'll go, go you go to the second part and then we we'll, might go back yeah well i remember what the second part is you're talking about the super bowl <laughs> <and you're, laughs> oh just the whole idea of uh this this idea that you could sort of you, you sort of game the system to get the viral audience oh right and uh you know it was um it, it was it was all about Yes, you had a Super Bowl ad, but it was everything that it was. It was the whole game around that ad that ensured you had a teaser before that you had mm -hmm. this, mm -hmm. that, you know, mm -hmm. really got your bang for your buck. And there were there were people in the engine room who were sort of who were, who were massaging the system to ensure that you got what you needed to get. Right. The picker of the story was at the end of the conversation. He said, "Well, um, most of." Most of the people who helped me with this are in Moscow. <laughs> and I talked, to, I talked to a friend of mine who uh, works for Newsweek, and I said, should I go visit those people? And he said, no. <laughs> you may not come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like this, you know, this, this weird, you know, world of uh, what's really going on in, under the hood and who's, who's, who's really viewing your ads, is it? Is there a has a human ever actually watched one most of these ads or is it all robots yeah robots click farms uh, yeah it's it's yeah it's it's interesting one well, and the whole the whole super bowl thing that you're talking about it's been um it's been really interesting to watch um you know from the sidelines because i haven't done any super bowl work um you know on on geico geico stays out of that yeah. um just because i I imagine it has to do with the fact, well, we're, you know, we're, we're pretty much, uh, everywhere most of the time. And, yeah. and that, that is maybe an inefficient use of, of media for, yeah. for us, but yeah, the, the, just the, the creep of the, or like the tail of uh, a Super Bowl ad now, um, and, and just how long it's getting. And it's, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of like how they're starting to play Christmas music and, you know, yeah, late, yeah, yeah. in late summer, it's like, when are the, how early are the Super Bowl teasers going to drop? Or, you know, when's, when's an influencer going to start a micro influencer going to start talking about the Super Bowl ad that another influencer is in? It's, it's really, it's really interesting. And then once everybody starts doing that, um, it's just, it feels like a bit of a, an arms race and I don't even know how effective it is anymore. I guess it's like anything. If, you know, a brand or two does it and, and, and it works and then everybody jumps on the bandwagon and then you, you gotta, you gotta go bigger and farther out. Yeah. What I think is fascinating is that everyone's Super Bowl ad was great. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, there's no, the there's no definitive I mean, real source. I mean, let's say USA Today is, but um, there's no one who's going to hold, hold their hand up and say, I wasted my money on this. This is just like, it, it, everyone tries to find an angle to say that this was, this really worked or this was really good for our business. And, and they all have sometimes have different objectives, you know, for a small food brand to get in the Super Bowl means maybe that some grocery stores actually return their calls, you know, and that could be pretty successful for them. But I think going back to the point of, you know, what we were saying at 107 mattress companies and comparing it to the 1970s, you know, making beer back in 1973 was a pretty challenging job to do it at scale. You know? Right. And, uh, you know, it seems like now that the whole sort of uh, fundamental rules and laws of business have completely changed that you could you can sit there behind your desk, uh, tap on the Internet and pretty much uh, start a company in anything you want to do without really having to touch the thing. Um, you know, design the packaging. Um, and uh, so there's sort of uh, the, the economies, I mean, the, the cost of entry. Is yeah. So much lower. 
Yeah, yeah, that's it's everything is available all the time. You know, it's it's, it's yeah, I think that's exactly right. And and to a certain degree, I mean that that applies to the the marketing materials, you know, as well. It's it's just the 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 cost of entry and the threshold is so low, you know. I mean, you can shoot something on your iPhone and have it out in the world and and you know, uh, hundreds of millions of people can see it the the next day. And that 50 years ago, you had to have a you had to have a media budget and and have a long bunch of discussions with a bunch of media people and figure out how to get it out into the world. And it's yeah. just uh, it's 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 different. It's it's exciting, you know. Um, but I I think part part of the excitement around. Um, what what you talked about, or, or the opportunity to 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 go big so so fast and to be viral, or um, is that it's easy to overlook? I think some of the fundamentals, um, you know, that that are essential to make entertaining work and and build a brand. It's easy to get distracted by some of the, you know, the 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 shinier objects. Um, you know, almost coming back to our our time discussion. Uh, it's just, you know, a good, a good platform, a good brand strategy, those things pay, pay a lot of dividends. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, and it's amazing how, how few, I mean, I was actually, um, there was a really interesting um, podcast discussion with your Unilever client um about the axe campaign mm -hmm. and i thought that i thought that was just what i took out of that was here were a bunch of people who'd come onto the brand for the first time who really didn't didn't want to do things quickly uh, they, they they wanted to learn i mean the fact that they actually went back and talked to old creatives as in people who worked on the brand years ago um, in terms of sort of due diligence and like uh, being pretty exhaustive was really fascinating. Um, uh, but that level of commitment, you don't, you know, you don't see very, you don't see very often. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to really, um, you have to really commit to that, that level, uh, or that, that approach and, and taking that amount of time, because I mean, it's uncomfortable. It, it is uncomfortable to give things the time and the space that they need especially we don't have to talk about you know like the world we live in where things get faster and you know yeah. um but but it is true i think you just have to be you have to get comfortable with being a little uncomfortable and um trust or or know that the the time and time is money and the money you're spending are are well worth it to to get to get where you want to go What's your, what's your what's your perspective? I think this is always an interesting, um, you know, topic. Is this idea like when you when you sort of read about movies or famous scenes or you know interviews with directors or actors, they talk about improv, right? They they say that it was you know it was something happened, the actor said something, it was never in the script. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, that whole idea it was never in the script, right? Uh, it seems. Uh, you know, there's so many stories. I mean, I think one of my favorite, my, my favorite ads was a, a Guinness spot and it's called the swimmer. Okay. Um, and it, and, and it's, uh, it's shot in Italy and it's this old guy who, you know, used to be a champion. who's basically going back and forth along the Harbor and he's, and he's, and he's doing it faster than you can pour the Guinness. Mm -hmm, right. all wonderfully shot. And the fact of the matter is they hadn't cast, they didn't cast that guy until like the, they found him the night before the shoot mm -hmm. yeah you know what i mean so it was never in any production plan it was never like the, the probably the original casting was different but without that casting that yeah it would have been a great spot but it wouldn't have quite had the same feel and, and i think that's such a fascinating part of our business which is you know you want to have the strategy you want to have everything kind of nailed down but there is of this wiggle room this this area that sometimes brilliance creative brilliance comes from allowing that to happen and then yeah your take is on that because i think that's a huge you know, 
Yeah. I mean, it's like the, I mean, I just wrote this piece on this piece on, um, I had this interview with David Byrne um, about once in a lifetime, right? So he's, you know, how he wrote that song. And it says there's this existential kind of like deep stuff. And he's like, I never was thinking of that when I did wrote those lyrics or did it at the time. I was listening to gospel radio stations in, in my loft in New York and trying to copy these guys and these words just came out. Yeah, yeah. And so this uh, once this one side that we all want the science, we want everything sort of tied down and we want the storyboards and we want everything like so buttoned up. But mm -hmm. in reality, great creativity is random. It's sort of sometimes chaotic, it's sometimes spontaneous, improvised. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I think to, to me, it's about finding a middle ground because there you have to have some kind of, uh, uh, you know, like buffers or, or rails to put things on. And, and I think the freedom for chaos is, is within, you know, within the goalposts that you set. And, and uh, cause I've, I've worked, you know, I've had experiences where there are no goalposts and then, and then it's just, it, it's like, you know, 30 cats just chasing themselves around and, um, and that that's that's no good. Um, and I think there, there's a there's a, a sexiness or an allure to that about like, let's just go in and, you know, shotgun blast it and it's, it's going to be free form and who knows. Um, but that to me rarely leads anywhere um, productive. I, I think, again, having a good base to work off of, but then um, being open minded or, or giving freedom to the creative process. And I think that starts all the way in the brief. I, I, th I think I, um, I'm pretty sure you would agree, <laughs> agree but you, you know, um, you know, how many briefs have you uh, served up where the creative ended up someplace that you could have never imagined? And, and does that make it a bad brief? No, because they, they use that as the starting point, but they took it somewhere different. Um, and, and I think if you were to say, but that's, uh, you know, there, there's on brief and from brief, um, and, and, and I, and I think that's, if, if you get, if you hold the bird too tightly, you'll, you'll kill it. And I think that's, that's true throughout the whole process. And, um, and again, just going back to, you know, our Geico client has done it so many times, you know, when you're, when you're doing that many video shoots a year, you just, you see it in action and it's undeniable that if I, um, like we're, we're, we've got the script we want. We, we like, you know, we've got the major points uh, outlined, but we're, we're going to let, we're going to let the, the director, the talent, the, the creatives riff a little bit, play a little bit of jazz, you know, and, and, and that, and who knows, who knows what we're going to get back. And we're not, and we're not going to be mad if a rough cut comes back and it's a little bit different than what we bought, you know, because we, we know we got what we bought. We can always do that, but maybe yeah, there's yeah. some maybe there's something better. And, and I think also just, you know, with the jazz metaphor, mm. I, I think the, to be, to be a good jazz musician, you have to be a master of, of the traditional craft as well. And I think, I think that that's, that's true, uh, you know, with. Can't just suddenly be good at improv. You it's like sort of Picasso was, you know, to, to break the mold, he actually knew how to do, art right i mean he knew he knew the fundamentals of art right broke them all he didn't yeah he yeah so, so i think it, it, it you can't you can't come into like any you know production situation where it's video or otherwise with with a half-assed idea and in in a loose ass script and and hope for the best then it's like hey we got a real some really good improv talent or we got a great director on this they're gonna it's going to just come together smashingly. It's like, no, you have to have the fundamentals down and have, you know, yeah, you have to have an A or an A plus going into that situation. And you have to uh, set the stage for it to become an A plus plus. Yeah. Um, is what, is what I found. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Going back to the, that conversation about the brief, you know, where going off brief or being on brief, I've always felt that's just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's just the sharp end of, you know, a, 
an inverted triangle. It's sort of like how how sharp do you want the brief to be, and or how much latitude or openness do you want? And I think I think it's a really interesting thing because a strategist, who's a good strategist, could feel like they've spent a lot of time on this, and they really feel that there is a very defined space that we could execute. But they've had the benefit of like the time, right? And then then you get the brief and it's really hard. I think, I think, I mean, making generalization, I think it's very hard for creatives to look at a brief and really understand its potential, like quickly. Mm -hmm. You almost, it's almost like, you almost have to get your sketchbook out and start like working a bit before you really get it. And a lot of times, you know, we're making decisions or we're trying to put people on the spot. Um, and you it almost, we almost need to go back to the fact that this is fluid. This is dynamic. This is a conversation. There is a back and forth. And that yeah. an instant judgment call on something is really, really hard. You, you kind of, you kind of need to have that dialogue. You need to, you need to go away, play, mess around, come back and, and, and go back and forth because otherwise it's just, it's just, almost doing the impossible. I, I mean, I, that's what I felt based on, on my experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a, a, a good brief is a launching pad, not a set of blueprints. Um, and, and, and I think one, one thing that I've, I've always in, enjoyed, you know, out of our planning team and some of my favorite, um, you know, strategists that I've worked with is the, the kind of the front end collaboration. Um, so it's not the, uh, you know, planner, uh, making, making the brief, you know, um, in, in some dark room somewhere for two weeks, slides it under the door, you know, like see at the, see at the internal. Um, but it's, it's, it's a fluid process. And, um, and I think that sounding board, that creative sounding board process happens before the teams actually see it, you know, collaborating with creative director is like, can you work off this? Is this inspiring at all? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, because that that conversation is usually pretty pretty productive. Yeah, you know, I I I I agree with that, and it's um, I mean, it's I I always think that we we're in this really weird time now with with strategy, where I think you've got a generation of you know you got industry that that changed radically, that you've got people who are being sort of don't have a lot of experience, but have maybe more seniority. And um, you can just see it. It's like, it's not an easy job being a strategist. Um, no, I think there, there's a lot, there seems to be a lot more, um, there, there, there's a lot more client um, pacification. There, there, that's become sort of one of the underlying uh, job responsibilities that, that I <laughs> that I've seen on, on certain accounts, you know, it's, it's, um, it's become less about being the voice of the consumer and, and sort of like living the brand out in the world. And a lot of it is being like, just getting the ball to where we can just brief, like, it doesn't even matter what's on it. Like, we just have to check enough boxes to where we can literally start the creative process, <laughs> um, you know, which is, which is kind of sad in certain instances and is not, you know, the recipe for good work down the road. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, you know, I, we've gotten to this, um, I mean, you read, you know, you read John Steele's book, right. And I think that was just, to me, that was like, maybe that was just an era, a moment, a moment mm -hmm. where, where um, you could literally, you know, I mean, you look at Got Milk. I mean, it is such. I mean, that was pretty much in the brief. I mean, that mm -hmm. that work that came straight out of out of. I mean, the fact is that strategy took they 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 took this thought from the client, which was milk goes great with other stuff, and then they did that little experiment, which was to put the camera in the in the refrigerator. So they took it like a next level to prove the theory and add some dramatic like add some sort of dramatic psychology to it but the advertising just takes it took that and added more to it you know yeah well you know it was it was it was interesting 
a nugget that that I heard on uh, on your podcast. Um, but when you were talking to Greg Hahn, and in my mind, I just assumed that uh, you're not you when you're hungry. Like that just felt like something that was on a brief, and and some and and you know, and some some great creatives brought it to life in in a even better, more memorable way. It kind of blew my mind that that was not on the brief. <laughs> um, you know, but again, does that make that a bad brief? No, because it led there. There was yeah, something. Yeah. There, there was something in there that unlocked that insight. But um, that that was a little cool nugget, and and was not what I had uh, assumed. Uh, on yeah. the other on the other end of things, you know, as far as like, okay, yeah, got milk. That was clean clean line from brief to creative. Some some creative escalation in there, uh, but that was a little different. Yeah, and I, I just I'm just sort of uh, using that to talk a little bit about the past and time. You know. We had, there was the luxury, you know, the, the whole idea of, um, I mean, I remember when Goodby had some, I remember Pana working at Goodby on some, they had some Nike women's basketball business. And she went out with a high school, like she was like for a month, she went out with a high school women's basketball team and, you know, filmed them and did all this stuff. And she knew that like, she was going to bring something that people want to listen to. Because mm -hmm. it was like, it was women's basketball and the guys in the creative department didn't really know much about it and didn't know the differences. And now we got like, it's almost like before you've even written the brief, creatives already like they're already written their own brief. You know what I mean? And yeah. We have, and we haven't, you know, so I think part of the problem, the strategy is taking away, you know, you say making them account people like, you know, okay, now you've got to, you know, you've got to, um, deal with the client to get them to this point and limiting the time and the money you can spend going out and talking to real people it really sort of narrows narrows what you you know you you know you become a smart person with some some thoughts that you know you collaborate with other smart people with some thoughts versus the high school basketball team example where oh you're actually actually bringing something here that, that that's new yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it was, it's, I remember sort of that. I don't know if it was directly from John Steele, but certainly from that school of thinking about like the best planners are never in the office. Yeah. You know, because they're just, they're out with the, yeah. whoever they're researching. And, and it, it almost felt like, you know, being some kind of uh, like a, like a spy, you know, yeah, you're, yeah. you're just, you're just, uh, you're out there, you know, like with just getting like, Hey, I got a bunch of, uh, tattoos and bought a Harley and then I went to uh you know on a coast to coast bike bike adventure and now I know let me tell you about motorcycles <laughs> yeah. I almost died but I'm alive yeah and I've got some great insights in my saddlebags um yeah yeah so it's yeah it's it's interesting there's definitely doesn't seem to be as much room for that um and, and I don't know, and may, maybe some of that's data driven, then it's just like, oh, okay, we can plug, uh, plug a few things into, uh, pl plug a few things that's in and get, the, and get the insights yeah, we need yeah. back. Yeah. Um, just rolling into the last few, few minutes. Um, yeah. Inspirations are kind of like, a, it's a sort of a weird sort of word. Um, what, what do you think, do you, do you think that's important? Like, um, that I, I just, a couple of years ago, I wrote this thing called the conditions for creativity. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was sort of like, it was my, the, the going jumping in point was, um, if I was starting my career all over again, what would I want to know more about? And it was sort of like, well, maybe there is more of a science to creativity. Maybe there's more of a psychology to creativity. And then when I looked at it, I was going, well, actually, Adland isn't really well set up, you know? Yeah. Uh, and what do you feel about institutionalized inspiration versus, is it the response, is it something that you as creative leadership assume that your creatives just do themselves? Or do you feel that you that the creative department as a department has a role in inspiring creatives? So, I mean, I mean it's just uh, the most boring thought is, do you bring really interesting people to come speak yes uh, right or do you just say you do this on your own you know you know how to inspire yeah. yourself that's not our responsibility 
Yeah. Well, I, I, I love this question and have a lot of thoughts and we could probably spend. <laughs> well, maybe this is the lead into part two to be continued sometime. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I, I mean, I, I think inspiration is incredibly important, however you get it. And, and I do agree that Adland is not set up well to be inspired because when you're, you know, working 60, 70 hours, like where are you supposed to get inspiration? And if everybody's only inspiration is watching Netflix at midnight, then the, you're not gonna, really going to find much fresh in there. You know, we're all yep. going to come with the, the exact same Stranger Things reference. Yep. So um, to totally agree with that. And I, and I do think that, and again, this goes to time, part of the need to give creatives, everybody, uh, the time, the right amount of time, not too much, um, is giving them the time to have these moments of unstructured inspiration, you know, and it doesn't have to be going to, you know, the Met or MoMA or some big fashion opening. Like it, it can just be having your mind open enough to where when you're, you're walking to the subway and maybe don't, don't have your headphones in that, that you, your brain makes a connection. I, I think, you know, uh, John Cleese, um, gave this, uh, you know, keynote speech to a bunch of, you know, it was like business people. I, I want to say it was like in, in the eighties or something. And he, and he outlined the five keys to creativity. Two of them were time, two of the five. <laughs> one, one was about giving yourself, uh, a big enough chunk of time. Um, you know, I think he, he said, you know, like an hour and a half works for me uninterrupted for deep work, you know, I don't know if you're a Cal Newport fan, but like time for deep work. And then the second part was just repetition, right? Like, okay, now give yourself that every day <laughs> so that you have enough, enough time to do it repeatedly. And that's, and that's where the magic happens. And that's where the inspiration happens. And that's where you, you connect the dots. So, um, I, I'm, I feel very strongly about that, that, Yes, we need inspiration and we have to think go out of our way at the departmental level and at the individual level to give ourselves room for, for that. So I, I think it, you know, to your question about institutionalized inspiration, um, it, it helps, you know, I, 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 it, it certainly doesn't hurt to offer that up if, you know, the agency has some, some cool, interesting folks that you might be interested in. Um, I mean, I, I have found, uh, Orlando Wood just really, um, very opening. I discovered him, you know, like three at lemon three years ago and now look out, I uh, just love his work. Um, and, uh, and so he was kind enough to do a, a, a chat with some of our creatives. Um, and so that, that was a case of like, I find this really inspiring. I think you will too. Um, and, and so I, I, I would hope since I did it, that that wasn't the wrong thing to do, but, but a little bit of that's good. I think there's also over inspiration where, you know, it's like, I don't know, is this an, an, an agency or, or some kind of inspiration engine? Uh, so, you know, everything in moderation. Well, that's cool. That's great. Um, thank you so much. Oh yeah. No, it's, uh, I'm, I'm still just really amazed that uh, nobody wants to talk to me, that you wanted to talk to me. So, hey, can, can I ask you a question? And this is going to be a great segue. Okay. The music, your music, your intro and outro music. It's, oh, yeah. I, it's, I, I like it a lot. It's, uh, you know, it's very like synthy, synthy and intense. And it's like the first time I heard it, I was like, like oh, damn, Ed's, Ed's going to solve some stuff in this, in this episode. I'll tell you a story because I've never, I've never told the story and it should be told. But, um, Greg Reeves, who was at BSSP with me, worked in the studio, um, was always, I mean, he went to Berkeley uh, school. He was in a, a punk band with, I think a former member of the Dead Kennedys. And his passion was music, but he was working in the studio, cranking out studio stuff. And uh, we had an opportunity, we won a piece of business was cricket wireless and we were you know a lot of what we always like to do was try and make very a lot of very cheap commercials you know we like having a lot of them and um we needed music and it was we gave him his first gig 
um, and he's so he scored up these uh, these spots, and that's got to be a long, long time ago. And he um, moved to LA from San Francisco and has done a ton of advertising music. Uh, I, I mean, literally all the big, you know, Kellogg, Mars, all the big guys, car commercials. Um, and uh, I got in touch with him and he he had this little sound bed and said it would be pretty cool. So it comes from this, there's a person behind it. Um, That's great. No, yeah. I've, every every time I hear it, I'm like, yeah, like, let's, let's get after it. You know, it's like, the, I, don't, I don't know if we're going to be talking about like conspiracy theories. Yeah, I just have a little bit of like Blade runner stuff going on and, you know, yeah. What the hell's going to happen in the future? Is AI going to take over the world? But anyway, thanks so much. Um, really appreciate your time. And I'll, I'll let you know when we uh, put this up live. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Ed. It was great. Uh, it was great chatting. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a great day. All right. Bye. This is your host, Ed Cotton. Thank you so much for listening to Inspiring Futures. Until next time.